Welcome. I'm Lauren Rosen, licensed marriage and family therapist. And I'm Kelly Frankie, licensed marriage and family therapist. And this is Purely OCD. Kelly and I are OCD specialists who happen to also be in recovery from OCD ourselves. Each week we meet to talk about all things OCD, one topic at a time. You may notice we try to bring a little levity and humor to our discussion around this deeply painful disorder, as this has been a very powerful tool for our own recovery as well as our clients. We tend to cover obsessions, compulsions, and exposures. There's also a Q&A at the end. If you would like, you can join us in the future. We meet on Mondays at 12.30 Pacific time on Instagram Live. And if you do find this podcast helpful, please leave us a review so we can gain more visibility to reach more people like yourself and help spread awareness of what it's like to live with OCD. Quick reminder, this is not intended as therapy or as a replacement for therapy. This is for educational purposes only. So without further ado, here is this week's episode. I am just waiting on my partner in crime, Lauren Rosen. Here she is. Hello. Hello. Partner in crime. Partner in crime, man. What what crime are we going to do today, my friend? I don't know. Hopefully violate our minds a lot. Cool. I'm always game for that. So I'm already feeling burned out and the conference hasn't started. (laughs) For context, uh, those of us joining, and and you should definitely check this out, uh, the IOCDF, the International OCD Foundation's yearly conference is online again this year because of COVID. And so we have been uh, recording our our presentations. They're all pre-recorded and then we're there to answer questions in a live Q&A after the fact. So that's why Kelly's burnt out. And it, it hasn't, hasn't even started. <laughs> we did two. <laughs> well, we I actually did, did two. three. You did three. Yeah. We yeah. did two back to back. I'm pooped yeah. out. Let me get some yeah. water. Hold on. Yeah. Get, drink some water, girl. Get hydrated. Um, and I'll share with those of you who have joined us too that the topics we're going to be talking about, I'm actually really excited for our presentations this year. Um, we're talking Thanks. about thinking the unthinkable. We're going to be giving a talk on taboo. I know it's so weird. It's so unlike us. Um, We're going to be talking about uh, taboo obsessions. So think thoughts about pedophilia, thoughts about bestiality, thoughts about harming your children, you know, those kinds of things. Violent, sexual, intrusive thoughts. The Mm -hmm. stuff we don't, you know, people don't typically talk about. We're going to shed some light on them and hopefully throat punch shame in the face right yeah i just throat punched my microphone in the face nice nice give it the old hook yeah so that and then we're also going to be talking about how to navigate when ocd uh, attacks the things that you're generally genuinely interested in right hobbies interests uh passions uh, so that you can learn how to navigate recovery and, and, and achieve recovery while still maintaining those interests. Yes. And then I'll be talking about OCD and substance use disorder in the context of 12 step recovery with the wonderful Stacey Conroy. So there you go. Yes. She is wonderful. I haven't met her yet, but I would love to. Well, I could make that happen. Probably. She's great. Cool. (laughs) Let's see what happens. (laughs) 
let's make this happen. We're here to talk let's about it. OC to the D and to the DD. To the DD. So we're going to be talking just about the sort of general stuff today has a nice refresher for uh, those of you who are here. And if you want to ask us questions as we go, we're going to just start by giving uh, an overview. And then we're happy to talk about how specific themes can be sort of looked at from the vantage point of the obsessive compulsive cycle, which is really important in knowing how to move forward with treatment and recovery. Yes. So why don't you start us off, Lauren, by explaining what an obsession is? I would love to, Kelly. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. An obsession is defined by the DSM. Oh, I'm going a little too uh, clinical already. Yeah, maybe start over. We'll go (laughs) restart. Oh, it's because we're in the conference mind. Okay. We are. Let's go. We got it. (laughs) Obsession. (laughs) And obsession by Calvin Klein. No. Obsession, right? Isn't that a thing? No. It it, it totally was. It was. So obsessions are thoughts, images, urges that pop into the mind. They're intrusive. That is, they're sort of like intruders into the mind as an intruder might come into your house, like break in and they're sticky. They have this quality where they're just sort of difficult to shake. They like to, if they were actual intruders, they'd be hanging out and and setting up shop in your home. They uh, cause anxiety. We can both speak to that personally. Mm -hmm. They cause doubt because OCD is the doubting disorder and yeah, that's that's kind of in a nutshell what an obsession is. So when that, you nailed it, when we have an obsession, naturally it's, well, it's only natural to then say, I don't like this feeling. I'm going to get rid of it, right? Because who would be like, oh yeah, can I please have some more of that? Nobody would. No, gross. That's disgusting. So yeah. moving on. So then we go, oh, let me get rid of this. Mm. So- person with OCD is going to engage in um, compulsions, which we see in a variety of different ways that it manifests. One would be the very overt type, which is the observable kind. It might be checking, counting, anything you can see visually. Um, Then there's the covert, which is the mental compulsions or rumination, where you're trying... The spy. Yeah, they're very covert. They're trying to get intel and data and find certainty mm. in the answer that OCD is presenting you with. Um, then there's the reassurance seeking, which is going to be a lot of asking of other people or even self-reassurance, right? Everything's fine. It's going to be fine. Or am I okay? Do you think that, you know, the way I looked at that kid was appropriate? Um do you see that the door's locked? Stuff like that. Then there's going to be the avoidant stuff, which is powerful one because it does work <laughs> really. <laughs> and I mean, they all do to varying degrees, but I feel like avoidance can be kind of the nail in the coffin. Um, and you're just basically avoiding any po- possible trigger or potential trigger completely, or you're at that point engaging and well, there's roping in of other people to do the compulsion for you. So mm. why is that a problem? 
Lauren, you take the floor. I'm glad you asked. Mm-hmm. It's not a problem. It's a big problem, actually. Compulsions are the problem. But people think they're the solution because of all of the things that Kelly just outlined, right? Like, it's helpful in that compulsions take away your anxiety temporarily, which is a big part of the problem. So basically, you you do a compulsion. You're like, okay, I wash my hands. I'm safe for now. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, the obsession's going to pop back in at some point, right? Like it's eventually going to come back up. And then you're like, oh my gosh, well, now I know what to do. I, I've got to eradicate my doubt and my anxiety by doing a compulsion. And so over time, you become a slave to compulsions, which is not fun because, you know, you mentioned avoidance is a very, uh, it really gets to the goal of compulsions by helping to alleviate anxiety. But then after a while you start avoiding so much that you're not even living your life anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, And mental compulsions, you might find yourself ruminating all day and, and not being present for life. Even if you're out in the world, living it, you might find yourself doing so many behavioral compulsions that you, you can't, leave the house, not because you're avoiding, but because you're stuck by a sink or in a shower. And you might start to eat away at the relationships that mean a lot to you because every time you're in conversation with somebody, you're either overtly or even covertly trying to get them to reassure you that your thoughts, your fear thoughts aren't true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then, and there you have it. There's the OCD cycle. Or the OC cycle. Bam. Right Bam. there. So good news is in all this is that it's treatable. Um, and though Lauren and I both live with and have overcome a lot of OCD subtypes, taste the rainbow. <laughs> that, hashtag, um, hashtag taste the rainbow. God. That a big reason why I also that reinforces why I, I chose OCD. I do know it really well, but um, it's payback time OCD. That's right. Coming for you. But also that you see people get better, right? Exposure and response prevention really works. And people that are willing to put in the work that is required, which is really hard, scary work, and it's not going to be necessarily linear, but they get better. You know, and that's that's kind of a rare thing to be a therapist and see a turnover pretty quickly um, because a lot of people go to therapy for 15, 20 years and they're talking about the same stuff. I'm not saying there's definitely some really good talk therapy out there that things do need to be processed. But I guess I'm just saying this is treatable and it's treatable in a relatively short period of time. Absolutely. I agree. Do we want to talk about what ERP is? What is, what is this mysterious exposure that you speak Mm -hmm. of? Miss Frankie, Mrs. Well, whatever. Yeah. I didn't change my last name. Yeah. But I, but it's complicated. (laughs) It's the (laughs) BBS. That's a problem. It's a different story for a different time. Different day. Um, so Exposure and response prevention, bleh, exposure and response prevention, restart or exposure I, <laughs> and 
Oh my gosh. Okay. Exposure and ritual prevention as well, whichever you choose, mm-hmm. is essentially we're bringing up the feared thought, image, feeling, sensation, whatever it may be, fill in the blank. And then we are choosing to then not compulse. So that's in a nutshell how it works. I feel like I've been talking a lot though. Do you want to take over? Oh, I don't think, I I don't think you have, but yeah, I think you're right. That's I'm brilliantly said friend. Uh, the idea is that you're just, yeah, you're exposing yourself to the things you're making yourself anxious. You're not doing anything about it. And you're like feeling, you're feeling so hard. You're just, yeah, right in the grass, right there. And the, yeah, the floor drops and then we're going to sit there. Well, metaphorically, although sometimes you do literally sit, but when people say like sit in the feeling, we don't necessarily mean like, okay, we're going to sit down in a chair and now Mm -hmm. we're going to feel the feelings unless that's your specific homework. What we are trying to say um, is that we are allowing the thoughts and feelings and scary sensations to occur without actually engaging and judging them. We're just letting them pass on by just Mm -hmm. like as if there's this magic window on the other side of your ear and they go in and then they come out Some people just have, they're just born with that, which screw those people. (laughs) I worked really hard for that other side of the window. (laughs) Well, and because I think oftentimes it doesn't even register as like a a problem. That's just not a, it's like, oh Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're like, oh, well, that was a weird thought. Well, what do you mean? That was weird. Why? (laughs) Don't you want to analyze every single layer of it and try to figure out why it happened? Come on. You could be a bad person. Doesn't this bother you? <laughs> right. Of course not. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. The ear window. I like that. The ear it window. Is- <laughs> <laughs> Somebody asked if this is being saved. It is being saved. I just want to point out to, and I knew I sort of tried to pepper this in uh, generally, but when we talk about these things, we are you might notice that we're laughing, that we're being playful. And I think it's really important to bring this energy to our work with OCD because it is a deeply painful, distressing, and dark disorder to live with on Mm -hmm. a daily basis. And so part of recovery looks like bringing a little levity, a little laughter to the process. And especially talking about these things in communities where you're going to be understood. And and hopefully by us talking about these things in this way, it's, it's clear that you can live a, a life with OCD that's much brighter than the one that you might be living if you're in the thick of it. Yes, exactly. Well said. And I, um, yeah. And I would just say for me, I would say I was reflecting on this actually recently, and I think it was because of the talking, the not talking taboo. That's for the in-person conference. This one, Thinking the Unthinkable, we just recorded this morning, Mm -hmm. is that I think there's been two huge factors outside of the exposure piece, right, in my, my recovery and continues to be is my, is the humor aspect Um, because obviously we do have to laugh. We have to, but also having, and I'm sorry to say this, but having one of, you know, my best friend 
who happens to be an OCD therapist, which is a very unique situation. I understand that. But even if she wasn't, that somebody else gets it and they're like, oh, yeah, I hate that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like you don't have to explain I do know it. what you That's, mean. Yeah, I know you know. <laughs> and also, if even if that weren't the case, I think that's why social media can be so important because breaking the shame, right, which is exactly what we just talked about in our talk, our presentation, is so important. I thought for so long, like, this this is just what people do, right? And and there's something, I'm just, this is just what my brain's always done. Yeah. And like, yeah. no, this is not okay. No. This is something that can be treated. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Beautifully said, friend. And cool. obviously I feel similarly that, and I agree, humor and, and being able to talk about this openly with somebody who gets it and who's mm-hmm. also not going to reassure me within an inch of my life. Not that I've been prone to seek reassurance from people throughout my yeah. life, except for that I totally have. So and that's okay too, right? Like, can we just, yeah. Not all it reassurances. Happens. Well, first of all, not all reassurance is compulsive, but. That's right. But. You know, <laughs> some is, and I may or may not have done some compulsive reassurance seeking in my life. And I think knowing, having a community of people like here on Instagram to, and, and like you might find amongst each other here while you're watching, you know, there's a a whole bunch of people and that by finding others who understand what it's like, it does make the fact that you're having these thoughts so much less bothersome because it's like, Oh yeah. Well, Kelly thought that the other day. So I, love I guess true. we're both, I, I guess we're both crazy. We're oh, okay. not, not crazy in like a yeah. stigmatizing way, but you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Leaning into the OCD's words. Mm-hmm. Well, and also I love when clients come in and they'll say a thought and then they laugh themselves at it. And they're like, that's so silly. Well, you know what I mean? And it's like, that's so great that they, just by saying it out loud, they're able to have so much space from it. Whereas yesterday they were so fused with it Mm. and unwilling to say the scary thing. And now they're able to just say it and now they're fine. Right. They don't even need me, but somebody was there to listen and hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Being a witness of that. What a beautiful thing that we get to do. Yeah. It's pretty special. It is. By the way, I, I did see a, a question pop up. If you wouldn't mind throwing that into the question mark box, as soon as we're done sort of giving this overview, we're going to hop on those questions and we'd be more than happy to look at yours too. And we have a few already. Okay. Um, well, it's just a couple of quick things I wanted to mention. Yes. Emotions don't last forever. And I think one of the ways that OCD really gets us is by saying, if you don't do this thing, you're going to now feel anxious for the rest of your life. You're never going to feel better. And we have to kind of be willing to call OCD anxiety on its bluff and to say, yeah, okay, maybe, maybe I will feel that way forever. I don't know. I mean, the only thing that we really do know is that everything changes. So it's a pretty bankable likelihood (laughs) that this, this too shall pass. And so being willing to feel the feeling as it's here instead of like, make it go away because resisting it, trying to push it away is so counterproductive. Yes, it's true. Good point. So 
Do we want to, okay, answer some questions. Sure. I think we do. Yep. Okay. How do we want to do this? Do you want me to choose different subtypes? Well, I mean, do you want me to choose at random anything or? Yeah, I, I support okay. it. What, whatever floats your boat or tickles your fancy today. Um, okay, so do it. I do yeah, think that somebody just mentioned motivation to do exposure work. I think it would be good to do an episode on that. Okay, let me make a note. Otherwise, I'll forget. You're so okay. welcome. And yeah, so we do save these every every week, 12.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We record a different episode, and then we save them to our YouTube channel, which you can subscribe to, or to Instagram TV. So, uh, and if you have any other things that you'd like to hear discussed, we do try to keep it on topic from week to week so that when people rewatch, they, they sort of know where to go, if that makes sense. Yes. And actually, I do think we have the motivation. I mean, it could be different, but I think I just worded it as know your why. Yes. But I think maybe motivation is better because it's pretty straightforward versus <laughs> me trying to make it sound fancy. Okay. I like to. I'm going to pull from the top. Cool. Okay. So this person asks, what is the compulsion in ROCD? So I imagine it's either relationship OCD or religious OCD, but I'm going to go with relationship. What do you think? I think that that's a fair call since relationship OCD is generally ROCD. I think you're right. Yeah. So what are some compulsions? Also, you can refer back to our previous. We recorded that one like five times. <laughs> we did too, because we kept getting cut off and yeah, long story. Anyway. Yeah. So should we, should we start by just acknowledging what the obsessions might look like so that we can paint the yeah. whole cycle for people? So the obsessions might look like, am I in the right relationship with this, the person I'm with now? Um, are they, do, do, if, I don't are they like the, the one? way, are they the one? I don't like the way that they talk or the way that, uh, their nose is and becoming hyper aware and obsessed with just one particular feature of the person. Um, yeah. Yeah. There could be so many variations of it though. So definitely. And yeah, I think that the general theme is what if I stay, what if I'm in the wrong relationship? What if I stay in the wrong relationship and what if I'm right. perpetually unhappy or, or, less than optimally satisfied. Ooh. <sighs> Missing out on the perfect experience. Yeah. OCD is all about that FOMO, you know? Yeah. It really wants it. Yeah. So compulsions, so, let's take one of the examples that you gave. Um, well, avoidance is a big one, right? So it could be, I'm not going to date anybody or compulsively breaking up with somebody because we're going off of a feeling state and fear. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that that's so on point. You might, uh, you mentioned this sort of, it's almost like a BDD by proxy or body dysmorphic disorder mm -hmm. by proxy where you're, you're f having intrusive thoughts about your partner's appearance and whether or not you're actually attracted to them. So you might mm -hmm. find yourself checking their appearance and then checking whether or not you're aroused at all. Yeah. The old groinals, the old groinal response. Do I feel aroused enough? Yeah. Well, if we keep checking, chances are it's going to, it's going to be the opposite of what you're looking for. <laughs> yeah. 
we're going to feel something now what right. you're going to feel hard to say. Um, wait, I, I lost you for a sec. Can you repeat Okay. That? No, I don't know. I, I, I keep going. Sorry. Okay. No, all good. So yeah, that can be a compulsion checking to see if you're attracted to the body part or if, if you are attracted to your partner in spite of the body part. Mm-hmm. Uh, asking for reassurance. Is this person, what do you think? Do you think they're the right person for me? Yeah. So. Trying to check other people's sort of, or gauge other people's feelings toward the person. Like, oh, are they judging the, my partner right now? What, what if they think that they're bad for me? Ooh. And just a quick side note, and then we'll go to the next question because we could spend the whole five hours on this. Mm-hmm is the caveat with this is this is a very much a table topic type of an obsession, meaning versus the taboo stuff. You're not going to be outwardly typically talking about how you maybe had a groinal response to uh, you washing your baby in the bath. Right. But to say to your friends or your loved ones, like, Hey, do you think they're attractive is not an outrageous question to ask. So you can compulse pretty easily with other people in the ROCD. So true. And people will very readily say like, they offer it, man. They'll just give it to you. They will totally give you a reassurance, but also they'll be like, are you sure that's OCD? Oh, well, yeah, that's, (laughs) it can go either way to be clear. Yeah. It's like the, the downfall of it is that people are like, well, yeah, but isn't that a legitimate concern? And you're like, I don't know. Is it right? So yeah, but good, good, uh, question. Oh, any, is that a question or is that just somebody wrote in the, no, it's somebody wrote in the, uh, it was a, in the question box, I believe. So this is the next one. Cause I think what happened is I had posted on my stories mm-hmm. for people to just give subtypes that we could talk about. This one's moral scrupulosity. Mm. which is always a fun one. Truly. So the cool thing about moral scrupulosity is it can attach to any moral uh, desire or desire to be moral. And it's not, it, it can be so varied, not like religious. Well, of course, religious scrupulosity is about specific religions, uh, which can span all of the religions, but you, from person to person, it's going to be essentially similar morals. This could be anything in theory, but, and I say that because one of the talks I'm going to be giving at uh, the IOCDF conference this year is about how my own OCD and how I got a diagnosis in the first place revolved around being perfectly moral in the context of 12 step. Like, am I being rigorously honest with Mm -hmm. my sobriety right now? It was an obsession that I had, but it can look so many different. Would you like to give an example? Sure. Um, Also, you don't have to be religious. Like you don't have to subscribe to any religious, um, formal religious. And words would be great today, but apparently I'm lost. (laughs) Don't have them. Um, So meaning you can have, these high standards, standards of moral expectation of self. And they just kind of fold in on themselves, just like anything related to OCD. So it might sound like, you know, I have to be, maybe I sent out an email that wasn't 
a hundred percent perfect with how, you know, maybe your boss would have liked it. But in order for you to be like a morally right and just, just therapist, I don't know, or employee, you might go back and redo it or ask for reassurance from your boss. Did I do it right? Did I do anything wrong? Mm. Yep. Reassurance is a really good one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just pulling for like, Hey, do you think I'm a moral enough human with whether it's about an email or anything else or breaking the law, right? Like going through a red light Yep. or a yellow finding, light, finding money on the street. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh my gosh, did I steal? Am I a bad person? Um, that kind of thing. You know, I didn't return items for years because I was so worried that every time I would go in that thing, they thought I was stealing. Oh, even today I feel a little like, Eat! and then yeah. I just keep going. Cause I need that money. Because yeah. you're not going to use the thing that you purchased. Yeah. Right. Because ironically, returns are for a thing, a purpose. Yeah. <laughs> they are for a purpose. That's true. So, yeah, I mean, any, but the compulsion to that end is I'm not going to, I'm not going to return. Right. That's mm-hmm. avoidance. Right. Works. It could work for years. Yeah. yeah. But is it worth the anxiety, by the way, folks? Because or the money that you're going to lose, really. The money, although, yeah. Right. And the stockpile of stuff that you don't need. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, then you just eventually stop buying things until you know for certain that you want them. Right. So that comes into the decision making. Right. And which I, you know, I'm so good at. Yes. Well, it's okay. generally a good one. So you can see that it, it falls into a lot of, uh, a lot of different potential compulsions, whether that turns into rumination ahead of time or avoidance altogether, or even reassurance seeking. Do you think I need this? What about, what about this? Yeah, totally. Okay. Sorry to switch gears. I saw this question. I think it's relatively urgent and important. Mm -hmm. Switch gears away. So this person asks, I have my first appointment with my therapist tomorrow. Should I ask her to do ERP with me or let her guide? I'm worried, nervous. She won't have knowledge, experience on the relationship OCD I'm suffering with. And she's my third therapist so far. So first of all, congratulations on, on not giving up. Yeah. And putting yourself out there and, and, and being willing to do the work. This is not easy and Mm -hmm. our hats are off to you. We can't give you direct advice, but what I will say is generally when choosing a therapist, when you have OCD, it is really important to sort of to vet them and to see what their expertise is beforehand. So you do want to generally try to find somebody who specializes in the treatment of OCD using exposure and response prevention, acceptance and commitment therapy, or, you know, somebody who's well-established within the community. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, there's not that many of us there, but there are a lot, I guess, too. It depends, you know, and for sure. And I, I think what I was getting at too, is that not everyone subscribes to 
just ERP or yeah, just totally. ACT. You know, there's Reed Wilson, Dr. Reed Wilson, who Who's is fantastic, very, by the way. Fantastic, but he's not really ERP. He, he doesn't, he talks about not being a sort of ascribed to the ERP model, even though a lot of what he does is the response prevention side of things, from my understanding. Right. And I also think that different approaches for different situations, while we might all be saying different things or using different language at the end of the day, our approach is kind of the same. Yes, absolutely. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. I also want to sort of acknowledge too, uh, there are people who who aren't necessarily part of the traditional ERP community, like um, Cheryl Paul, who works a lot with relationship OCD and is incredible, um, who's actually a depth or Jungian psychologist. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, based. So you don't have to necessarily, but I think somebody who understands OCD, who's not going to try to answer the question that you're experiencing so much doubt about, because that's the problem. So, um, and I just wanted to add too, is that a lot of therapists, general therapists will say they treat, they specialize in schizophrenia, OCD, generalized anxiety, depression, um, substance abuse. So you cannot specialize in all of those things. It's not possible. It's not. It takes a lot of experience and time and you have to be supervised by people who are specialized in that. So you might see the credentials that say they treat OCD, but I want to see somebody who only treats OCD and OCD spectrum disorders. However, that being said, you might find somebody who actually does do like usually talk therapy, but they do have some experience in OCD and, and they will be able to offer some tools and maybe send you in the right direction as well. Okay. So I want to be conscious of time because I have to pick up my little one from school, but should we do one more? I'm, I'm on board for one more. And if we didn't get to answer your questions today, please feel free to, uh, you know, ask your questions for we like I said, we do this every week and we're, we're happy to support and help as we can. Okay. There's a lot of questions. Thank you guys for all of these. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm just going to randomly pick one. So, <laughs> okay. Sometimes I'll be having an OCD spike miserable and not even realize it's my OCD the mental distortion is so scary. It's hard to tell the difference between my thoughts and my OCD thoughts. Can anyone relate? Mm-hmm. Well, let's just, if anyone, for anyone who's here and watching, can anyone speak to relating to this? I think that this would be a good time to sort of incorporate the whole community here. Yes. I, I can relate as, as somebody who has OCD to like, oh my gosh, but what if my thought is a, an actual indication of, my genuine desires. This is part of the game that OCD plays. Uh, and there's, yeah, actually I wrote an article about this phenomenon called denial, doubt, denial, and OCD. Great article. Thanks. It's just saying, yes, I'm actually truly, I'm suppressing my true self, which is a sociopath or psychopath. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing it so well, I don't even realize that I myself am manipulative. 
Well, because I'm even, I'm convincing myself of it, right? right? (laughs) Or, you know, I'm, yeah, I, I'm totally, uh, this happens a lot with sexual orientation OCD because the denial buzzword, (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's like, ah, but I'm just, what if I'm just in denial and I can't admit in my heart of hearts Mm-hmm. who I truly am. Right. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't matter what sexual orientation you're identified with and, you know, what you're afraid that you might be missing out on and, and living in an authentic life because of not identifying with. Yes. Which bleeds well into the relationship OCD, as mm-hmm. you all could imagine, because you have very creative minds, mm-hmm. how those two may play nicely there. Mm-hmm. Um, But yes, that's a big one. And at the same token, this person's asking, telling the difference, right? Is that it is not our job to figure out what the difference is. In fact, that in itself is compulsive because now we're trying to delineate between good and bad thoughts. Mm -hmm. And what's my OCD versus what's regular. And that's just a fancy way of saying like, how do I make sure that I'm not the thing I'm afraid I am? Right. And early on in treatment though, however, however, your therapist may say things like, oh, I guess OCD is here today, or they might start calling it OCD. So things that we say in here, it's usually just a very general, broad, uh, sweeping explanation because there's a time and place for a lot of things, including reassurance when you're trying to get by into things or reality checking, as I would call it. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, just keep that in mind. But we do not want to say, well, how do I know that's OCD? We don't. We don't. We don't. And if it goes into... Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That is scary. And it's totally freeing on the other side of it. It is. It gets better. And I think I heard Alec Pollard a few years ago or no, it wasn't a few years ago. You know what? It was about 10 years ago. (laughs) Bang. (laughs) Very funny. I so enjoy his humor. He's super sharp. And he was saying something so good. It was like, if you put a timer on if you're sitting in a session with a client and you say you knew for certain that in 10 minutes this person's anxiety was going to go down it would be gone just eliminated for the most part right like maybe a two instead of a 10 and you told them i know for a fact and they knew you knew they would be so much more likely to do that exposure and the thing is is that we actually do kind of know we just don't know what how much time that's going to take Yeah. Right. It's like this stuff does work, but we have to, we got to do buy-in here and just take this leap of faith that me leaning into it may or may not make me, um, a psychopath. Right. And the thing is that you have to be willing to feel it without reservation and without expecting for it to go away in order for it to naturally pass. Well, yes, that is important to say. Yeah. Yeah. I did want to make a note for anyone who's rewatching this, that we did get a lot of people saying that they did relate on here to, mm-hmm. um, right. To, to fears to this about, person. Yes. yeah, which I think is important to note. It's yes. quite common. Yeah. So with that being said, 
thank you all for yeah. joining us. Um, I, we, we appreciate all of your questions. I apologize. We didn't get to all of them. Please come back next week so we can answer them. Yeah. You can always message us. We'll try to do our best to return messages. I'm not the best at doing it in a 24 hour turnaround because I have clients that I have to obviously give priority to. And I have a, you know, a child too. And yeah. Things. So, and but even eventually if we don't we get, will. well, and even if we don't get back to direct messages, if you want to throw us uh, some ideas, certainly we can try to incorporate them into our, our future lives. And just a reminder, we can't give direct advice. So as much as we might want to support you, um, we can't, it's not ethical to do so on a, a social media platform outside of the context of therapy. So, yes. And well, with that, I bid you adieu. Adieu. And I will see you on the flip side, my friend. You sure will. Have a great day, everybody. Yeah, you guys have a great week. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us. Just as a reminder, this podcast is not therapy, nor is it intended as a replacement for therapy. If you need further support, we encourage you to seek treatment with a registered professional who specializes in OCD. If you have a moment, we'd love to hear what you think. Feel free to leave us any feedback by reviewing us on your podcast app of choice. You can find past episodes on our website at purelyocd.com. Remember, this podcast is for you, so please let us know what you would like to hear. We want to make our message as helpful as it can be. We hope you will join us in the future as we continue our discussion on all things OCD. OCD.